to Two Sober Chicks. I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to email us some of your topic suggestions, you can do so at the number two sober chicks at gmail.com. We're available on Spotify. We're available on iPodcast, iTunes, um, Podbean, all, all kinds of different platforms. There was another one, Anchor. Um, so just, uh, you know, find us wherever you can. You can uh, download our link at uh, thezoocrew22.com. They've posted a link to us. Thanks, guys. A shout out to them. And uh, like I said, I, I found us on uh, iPod and I downloaded it to my phone. Yep. And you can also DM us on our Instagram account, Two Sober Chicks. That does not stand for dirty message. That stands for direct message. <laughs> or dick message. <laughs> Forward all of those to Julie. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know if you're, are you at brick and mortar meetings now? Here? You, yeah. You have a home group that you go to physically. Okay. Yep. So you're doing that. I'm still doing the zoom thing. I love my online meetings because they just allow me to go to so many more because of my shift schedule. Mm -hmm. um, but here's something that I, I don't like. Um, online zoom meetings are being hit like the prank phone calls of the eighties. Again? There was yeah. a lot of that when we first started Zooming, but now there's a new. So with a large, a large group that's online that posts their password, they're just open to it all the time. And it's, mm. it's like, especially on days when kids aren't in school on holidays, we get hit extra hard because they're home and they're bored. Um, and I love uh, letting them know that um, you're, you're using your mother's IP address and your mother will be emailed. <laughs> <laughs> when we remove you from this meeting mm. but yeah and some of the things people do are just disgusting and gross I've yeah. seen more penis this year than I've seen in my whole That's lifetime gross I know no one wants to see that and you should be ashamed to put that <laughs> on the internet it's so tiny like that's nothing to show the world about <laughs> my but husband anyway. um I drove him to the airport today he's going out on tour for um a few days as an emerge he was called in to emergency situation with a music person yeah. um who shall remain nameless but everybody loves but me I'm like I do not get his music, but Americans love him. Anyways, um, we were behind a truck that had those like balls hanging from the truck. And I said, you know, that's not for women, right? There's, there's not a lot of women, women that like the balls thing. Like I like yours husband. That's fine. But typically I hope men realize they're doing that for other men. Cause yeah. no women look, woman looks at that and goes, Oh, that's hot and sexy. I want that. <laughs> so dumb. good I thought it was just me <laughs> it's so dumb yeah yeah it's not the most attractive nobody part. cares men oh. and by the way if you have to do that uh I would question your own level of self-esteem and security maybe that's the only ones they have that's why they have to dangle them from their truck bumper maybe it's possible maybe they lost their balls to nut cancer and that's just their way of having nuts. Maybe. Yeah. So that's then I true. guess I in never that way, that. we would celebrate it. Yes. All right. That's, that's the, how you know, we're going to look at it. Never from know. Like truth is always stranger than fiction. I <laughs> mean, is. someone, I was talking to someone the other day. I mean, this is a whole vortex, like flat earth theory and the moon and the different, you know, anyways, we know 
we, you know, school used to be taught flat earth, then we got into sphere earth, but we actually know because of science that the earth is not round. It's more like pear shaped. Um, but we were talking about like, just, and this person was criticizing all these different theories. And I said, first of all, you work for the military. So, you know, truth is stranger than fiction. You know, all kinds of shit we don't know. And I know some of it. <laughs> I know you guys have technology that would blow our minds. We're like in the, um, dark ages compared to what you guys have and some of the stories of like spies and espionage and what people are capable of and doubles there are people out there that are plastic surgeried up to be doubles for certain celebrities and politicians like it's crazy shit man so I never think I never discount anything there's always multiple ways to look at something in different realities we're not aware of so consider it all I love that rant on truth is stranger than fiction. And I just learned about doubles. I wonder if there's a double of me out there somewhere. So the most recent double that people are freaking out over is a Tom Cruise, where if it is shockingly scary, it's scary. The only thing that gives him away a little bit is his voice. Why does he have a double? Sorry. (laughs) I think, well, some people have doubles like politicians do. And if for anyone that thinks I'm crazy, a little rudimentary bit of research, I mean, you'll see it all. So sometimes it's for security reasons and purposes, but but there are also people that want to make themselves look exactly like stars, either for the purposes of movies or just because they have a sick fascination. (laughs) Yeah. Like you've some, some of the Robert De Niro in, personators it's so or marilyn monroe it's terrifying yeah well plastic surgery is terrifying yeah i just find it so bizarre i do too so weird it's a problem because we do not accept aging anymore like Mm. i am lucky that i have good genes and i age well but i am often horrified and which is why i spend hardly any time on social media anymore with like women with like the frownies which are amazing by the way they're like these patches that you glue to your face and it freezes your muscles so it's like your forehead's all thin and you don't have crow's feet and I'm just like but why why is that bad why is that a problem love expressive faces Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm starting to get jowls and a funny little neck thing here. And there's lots of places I could put filler and Botox, but I'm like, but why mm-hmm. I'm f- going to be 45. Like it's what a 45 year old face is doing. Yeah. And isn't that what acceptance is all about? Talk about the ultimate acceptance. How about you accept who you are and where you're at in life yeah. to yeah. me? Botox, plastic surgery, and all that stuff, and liposuction is just the ultimate rejection of acceptance of where you are and what God gave you. Yeah. Um, and I'm grateful that I'm still alive. <laughs> I don't think I was, you know, the way I was headed, I wasn't meant to live this long. So I'm grateful that I'm just, there's a girl in one of the meetings I attend to, she always says something along the lines of, I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be anywhere. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Well, that's Um, just our, again, just our thoughts, feelings, and opinions. We don't represent anyone. We don't care if you agree with us. You stop by so you can leave. (laughs) But if you stay and you like us, we love that because that's why we do this. We don't do ads. We don't get promoted. We don't pay. Nobody pays us for anything. 
We did this as an altruistic endeavor that we just happen to really love. And we're very surprised at how it's, how popular we've become. It's yeah. kind of shocking and strange, but maybe I that's the reason. I told you about the meeting that I was in and uh, somebody private messaged me and said, <laughs> hey, I recognize your voice from two sober chicks. And she was from Italy. Oh, I love that. That was so cool. Ciao, Bella. I wish I could go to Italy. Maybe we'll take this show on the road one day. We should do a touring version. But we did. We went to uh, Ohio. We went to Akron. Yeah. And we've podcasted from uh, the ORC, from up north, from Manresa. Maybe on my uh, vacation this summer, I'm going to come down there and see you. and We can do another podcast down south. Yeah. Na- live from Nashville. We can go have Nashville hot chicken, which everyone seems to love. And I need to go to the Bluebird Cafe because I just okay. want to see the Bluebird Cafe. Um, and for those of you that don't know, Julie is. She was originally in Canada. Now she's a transplant. She's down there in Nashville, Tennessee with her husband. And I'm in uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Uh, but we still managed to do this podcast virtually and put it online yeah. for you. So thanks for joining us. And you'll notice that I sometimes have a little Southern twang to my voice, which I swear is not intentional. It's just your brain gets used to the way certain words are said and how they're pronounced or the cadence or whatever. And you just start doing it without even knowing. Yeah. Like I say, my husband all the time. (laughs) That sounds very Blanche Devereaux. (laughs) One of my sponsees is from Kentucky. She's got quite, quite the accent too. I love it. Kentucky is not far from here where I am. I'm north of Nashville, north and west. And the Kentucky border's like right there. Well, I'm coming down to visit y'all. Come on down. All right. Um, We are doing a little thing called the Ask It Basket. So um, at in-person meetings, they pass a basket around and uh, people who are new to recovery get to write in uh, on a piece of paper anonymously some questions that they might have. Um, So I have uh, got a list of some questions. You can email your questions to us at the number two soberchicks at gmail.com and you might hear it on a future podcast as we ask uh, these questions. Every time you turn your head, I hear your microphone zip in front of your I'm zipper. I'm so sorry. I thought you were okay. farting at first. <laughs> oh my God. I don't do that. My oh, body you, just, it's not created that it does those things. You don't gas? You don't have I don't, gas? I don't go to the bathroom. I don't, no. No. <laughs> just, no. That's funny. Yes. The, you're like Barbie. <laughs> oh, you know what that reminds me of? So last night we went out to um, dinner with some friends. Mm-hmm. We have goats that come onto our property from like a neighbor who has a hole in their fence somewhere where I can't see these fainting goats. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy that we went to dinner with who has like a degree in agriculture and has been around farms his whole life, when he talked about goats that won't move, like if they're going to eat your garden, he said you poke their anus. It's oh. called their go button, he said. <laughs> And they'll go out of the way. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. When I go up to my vegetable garden, I'm going to stick my finger in the goat's butt. That's a great idea. How about I just get like a boat horn, an air horn? How about that? I think he's pranking you. I think he just wanted to see if you'd stick your finger in a goat's ass. I don't have a goat go button, <laughs> but you know, I won't be sticking my finger in anyone's either, by oh the way. Oh my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> We don't want to know what he does for a good time on a Friday night. (laughs) Um, All right. So question number one, is it okay to be addicted to drugs? 
and be a <laughs> member of AA. I love that take question. that one. Because <laughs> I'm the expert on that. And it's an honest question that gets yeah. asked a lot because Alcoholics Anonymous has alcohol. Yes. In and, the name. And our primary purpose is to carry the message to the still suffering alcoholic. Um, and, and it's will, a desire to stop drinking is our only requirement for membership. Right. And Vision you three. will um, hear people say, if, you, if you're cross addicted like I am, and you'll hear people say, hey, we only talk about alcoholism in this meeting, so I can relate to you. Yeah. Crusty old timer. Uh, <laughs> however, um, so that was part of my problem was that um, I was lying to myself and uh, I didn't think that I would be addicted to drugs the same way I was addicted to alcohol. And I hadn't yet completed the 12 steps. So I had not had my spiritual awakening. And um, I had heard about some of these other people in AA who were doing what they called the marijuana maintenance program. Um, and, you know, there isn't a rule on it. If you, if you do drugs and you come to an AA meeting and you're here to get sober about alcoholism, that's, that's your prerogative, right? That's your choice. Um, but as my sponsor put to me, are you really living an unsedated reality? And that changed my thinking on things eventually, of course, after I took my will back and uh, did drugs and went out for a year, um, because that's what happened to me. I started just um, tampering, you know, you know, doing a little bit here and there. And then uh, it grew. It grew into an addiction and it grew into a full time habit, just like alcoholism did. And eventually I stopped going to AA meetings. I didn't call my sponsor because I didn't want to hear what he had to say. Because um, <laughs> he was telling me things like, um, no, I don't think doing drugs is, is a good alternative when you're an alcoholic. And are you really clean and sober if you come to a meeting and you got high before the meeting? Mm -hmm. uh, the answer is no. Yeah. Um, so, but each person has to find their own journey. And, and yeah. I, do, I do love that about what he said to me. Because uh, when I did come back, I said, um, do I have to start my date over? Do I have to pick a new date? Because somehow, miracle upon miracle, I'd left for a year and done drugs and never picked up a drink. Hmm. Like, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and I so I hadn't, uh, I hadn't changed um, my sober date when I first came back. And he said, why don't you think about what uh, an unsedated reality looks like and answer that question yourself? And when it was put in those terms, I was like, okay, I'll start my date over. Yeah. yeah. And it was just, you know, I didn't have to, nobody forced me to, but it was the right thing to do. And it was the honest thing to do um, because I was using drugs alcoholically. Uh, so yeah, I think the answer there is clearly no. Yeah. There are a lot of people in recovery that are not recovered. I, I would, I would say easily at least 50%. But that's something that you have to deal with with your higher power because you're not cheating us. Nope. If you ask honestly, ask yourself, am I really in recovery if I have just substituted one addiction for another? I mean, you probably won't like the answer, but like you said, you get to do it however you want. Most people I know will start off thinking it's okay. And then eventually as they get deeper into their recovery, will be like, yeah, not a good idea. Yeah. But you know, and, and it, you know, our antidepressants and anti-anxiety is the same thing. I don't personally think so. Um, our sleeping pills, if you suffer from insomnia or some kind of trauma, the same thing, I don't think so, but doing something to escape reality 
on a fairly regular basis to me is an addiction. Yeah. And, you know, there, there, some people can find loopholes in anything, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, someone can say, oh, well, a doctor prescribed this to me. Um, But have you talked to your doctor and said, hey, by the way, I don't want you to write this down on my chart, but you know me, I'm an alcoholic and I'm an addict. So when you prescribe me, let's say it's sleeping pills, because I'm going through, let's say you had a traumatic event and you're unable to sleep and it's been weeks. Well, we need sleep. So maybe you need some assistance, uh, medically provided assistance from a doctor. So you can say to your doctor, but I'm addictive. I have an addictive personality. Give me five (laughs) sleeping pills for the week, right? Instead of the doctor just writes you a script of 60 pills. What's an alcoholic and an addict going to do with 60 pills? They're going to overdose. They're going to take way too many. Um, So if you are following uh, your doctor's suggestions and not your own way of thinking that's also I think a good indicator of what's proper and are you honest Um, I know a lady who just went through surgery and she let her physicians know this is my situation you know and so she's working with a team of physicians Mm -hmm. uh, to get proper medical care Uh, obviously she needs pain medicine Um, you can't deny yourself pain medicine because you're an addict or an alcoholic but it's the proper use of that pain medicine. That's it. Well, that is the key. Like I have sleeping pills. Oh my gosh. I've probably had 60 for at least a year when my husband's away, which is not very often I take a half and that's how I go to sleep, but I don't touch those things when I've had a hard day and I want to go to bed. I just don't. And my husband, I think I told you this, maybe I said on a previous podcast, he was getting, um, he is a survivor of throat cancer and he was getting his year. Now I think he's going every year as opposed, it was like every month, every three months, every six months. And now I think it's every year. And uh, this was like when they were putting the, the camera in his nose to just take a look to make sure everything was fine. And at the end of the appointment, he's like, so can you prescribe a Xan? I was either Xanax or Valium. I can't remember. Hey, can you give me and my wife some Xanax? And the doctor's like, why? And he goes, I don't know. Why not? It's a stressful world. And the doctor's like, okay. So oh I think my. the doctor gave him five or 10, which are upstairs in our um, vitamin drawer. Wow. And I do not go anywhere near those. I lo- honestly, I like having them there. Cause I'm like, what if something tremendously upsetting happens? I like to know that they're there, but my husband when I go through bouts of anxiety, which thankfully are like, I don't remember the last time I went through it, maybe two months ago. Sometimes I'll have like a really stressful few days, um, which are less and less now. Cause I'm doing really way better with boundaries and therapy. He'll be like, you know, we have those pills and I'm like, not doing it, man. It's not that bad. I don't know if it'll ever be that bad, but the key is responsible use. Like we talked about in the last podcast, what was the word you used in, not indifferent. Is it indifferent towards drugs and alcohol? Oh, neutrality. I have neutrality around it. Mm-hmm. You know, my husband can go out after a hard day, which again, isn't often and have cider down here in the fridge. Cause he drinks like a normal person. Normal person. And yeah. I don't think about it at night. It doesn't bother me. Um, if I come down into his office and the open bottles on the desk doesn't bother me, I don't think about it. And that's not just because I have great willpower. 
It's because I've worked my program and my higher power has become who I go to for everything. Mm -hmm. And I believe through the power of the program and the grace of God, I have been released from non-neutrality around all of these things. So I don't take it for granted uh, at all. I respect it, but I also can live life like a normal freaking person. That's what we're supposed to be able to do mm-hmm. is be in a position of neutrality around it. Around things, yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. That's a good one. All right, next. Mm. Oh, um, I know it can be complicated, but how long on average should it take a sponsor to work uh, a sponsee through the full 12 steps? That's a loaded question. <laughs> uh, however I, long it takes the sponsee to do it. Yeah, I've I don't think there's sponsee, an average. I've had a sponsee for, I want to say 10 years. Have we ever completed the steps? No. And she goes in and out of my life. And I should probably do better with that. She came in back into my life again about a month and a half ago and was like, I really need to finish the steps. I need to work the steps. Will you do that with me? I'm like, absolutely. Um, We haven't even discussed one, two, three. Gave her the work, gave her the readings, told her when to call. Call was supposed to happen. She was at work. She could only talk five minutes. Then the next call got rescheduled and I haven't heard from her in about two weeks. And then I have amazing sponsees like Deanna, mm-hmm. who went through them all. I don't even know how quick. I'm I definitely, I think, under six months. Mm-hmm. I was just on it and started seeing results immediately and was faithful and had discipline. And so it really depends. And it's not the sponsor's job to run through with sponsee. The sponsee dictates how fast and how furious that happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we make suggestions, right? As being a sponsor, I make suggestions. And um, some sometimes it works for some people and it doesn't work for other people. Um, one person that I worked with recently got through the 12 steps in 12 days. Um, we met quite, quite quickly, quite faithfully, awesome. quite religiously, one-on-one, uh, virtually, by the way, over Zoom. We, we don't even live in the same country, um, but we managed to have FaceTime with each other and we went through the book, we went through the steps we talked about the steps. We did the step three prayer together. You know, we got writing right away. She did her writing of her fourth step inventory in one day. Uh, and I think Whoa. that, you know, one of the things that I was able to impress upon her was it does not need to be an autobiography. It yep. doesn't need to be everything. And you can do another one. But let's just get this part done so we can look at causes and conditions and, and find out what your character defects are and what your assets are and what other assets we want to strive towards to have and to grow um, so that we can get on with the steps. And uh, we've gone back and we've looked at, you know, maybe one person from that four step and done a little bit more in-depth work on that or getting deeper into the fears list, going over that again, um, because that was a little bit of a stepping stone. So we went back and did that again. Mm -hmm. Um, But they talk about um, this window of opportunity when we're new. Yeah. And for me, I think the window of opportunity is best understood through pain and suffering. So one of the reasons why I wanted to drink and do drugs was to escape from the pain of reality, to Mm -hmm. escape from the pain of my life. And then when I got here and I got sober, um, at first you're on that pink cloud because you're not creating when you're sober. You're not creating, usually, 
uh, more wreckage. Yeah. Right. You're not, there's not a lot of um, circumstances happening based on your bad behavior because you're drinking and using drugs and you're abusing yourself and other people and you're behaving badly. So there's that little bit of a pink cloud and you start to feel good, but then life kicks in and life happens. And if you haven't gone through the 12 steps and learned this design for living that they talk about, then you have a, then you're at that precipice. It's the jumping off point. Am I going to do the steps and learn this new way? Or am I going to rely on old behavior? And that's when a relapse can happen. So I like to talk to people about, let's not sit in our pain and our suffering. Let's try to get into the steps. Um, There's no perfect way to do them. I don't think just do them and then do them again. (laughs) And And it doesn't have to be this emotionally triggering. Like one of the ways we unlearn and relearn how to live life is to not be slaves to our emotions. Like they're not commands. Like they're naturally, there's a lot of fear around the steps. But when you say to a sponsee, listen, this isn't about how you feel about stuff. You don't have to get emotional about it. It's like it says in the big book, it's a fact finding mission. It's like inventory with a business. You have to separate yourself from it and just put it down on paper. Because if you're going to let emotions run your life, you're not ever going to be recovered. It's never going to work. Yeah. So just, I think the big book talks about like without delay or at once. I think it says that after step four, as you're going into like five, six, and seven, well, actually six and seven. So like, why, why, why take your time? Get it, get her done. You're done. You know that. And like you talked about. There, we get on this pink cloud, but there's a period of time where all our consequences catch up to us. But if we live the principles of the program, we get to a point where they've all caught up to us, which may take years. If you've had like drunk driving offenses or your kids taken away from you or people that aren't talking to you anymore. But once they catch up to you, if you live rightly, then you don't have, you go forward without having to look behind you anymore. It's really like such a relief to go mm. forward and be like, I lay my head down on my pillow tonight and I feel good about what I did. Mm. And the little mistakes I made, I'm going to make them right tomorrow. Yeah. That's the 10th step, that 10 step inventory, which is so helpful. But, and in the, in the fourth step, um, not staying stuck for me, like I've, I'm a person who has had, uh, you are too traumatic incidents. Um, but I, I just got down like, okay, this, this happened and this is how it made me feel. Uh, this is why I'm angry or resentful. Um, and did I have a part in it? Yes or no. Um, and maybe like with the sexual assault, my part today is still bringing it up, um, still wallowing in it, still feeling sorry for myself, still getting angry at something that has happened already. It's in the past. Mm-hmm. And the rest of that part of that traumatic incident I took to therapy. So it's, I guess, very important to understand this is not therapy. Doing a fourth step is not getting deep into the the roots of your past. That's what you take to your therapist. And I strongly recommend people engage in therapy, but let your therapist know that you're a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah, it's a (laughs) therapeutic process, no doubt. For sure. But we're not going to get into all that traumatic stuff. What like there's been times in my life where I've really been upset about stuff or quote unquote triggered by stuff. And the more and more I'm just like, I don't have to be upset about this. You know, there's no reason this needs to dictate where I can go, who I can talk to my life, my feelings. Like 
it's just so plainly obvious now. I'm like, really that thing that happened a year and a half or 10 or 15 years ago? Like, is that, am I really going to bring that up now? Am I really going to put this in the situation? Like, girl, get over it. Mm-hmm. And when I shake, that works for me. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, because now is all I ever have. So I don't need to be depressed about something that happened or anxious about something that might happen. Like my therapist talks about my husband and I are always in two different time zones. Like he knew he was going away, my husband, and he kept talking about how much he was going to miss me when he was gone. He was already missing me before he left because he oh. knew he was going to miss me when he was gone. And he got upset that I wasn't already missing him when he hadn't left yet. <laughs> and she was like, well, you're just in two different time zones. He's existing in the future and you're existing in the now. Like I don't have to exist in the past. I only have right now and I might be dead tomorrow. So how can I be the best me today? Which is really cliche, but like my whole focus right now is how can I be a good steward of what God has given me today? That can be washing the dishes and being grateful that I have dishes to watch. That can be feet, like doing my gardening. It always includes being a good wife and being a good daughter to my heavenly father. Like it's as simple as that. Why do I want to throw this away because of something that happened before? Like you said, I can go to therapy, but I don't have to take it out of the room. So, and there's a lot of stuff that we can't do that only God does. So that's why prayer is important because that's when you let him do stuff. It's amazing. I, I was just thinking I was getting lost in what you were saying there. And I was thinking about relationships and I, um, I think that's a good topic too. And I didn't set a timer for this, so I don't know how long we've been talking. Do you want to save that for the next podcast? Um, Cause there's yeah. a great question coming up about um, uh, a partner and being in recovery. So, okay. All right. Let's carry that over to the next one. Do yeah. I have a simple one today? Uh, no, I think, I think that's good. Let's end that one here and then we'll do another uh, ask it basket on the next one. So we are answering your questions as newcomers, or if there's something that you, you know, you want your sponsee to hear <laughs> and you want to put it in the form of a question for a newcomer, send that's it to a us. Great idea. We will ask the question and then uh, give our thoughts on it. And as Julie said at the beginning of this podcast, uh, we do not represent Alcoholics Anonymous or any organized religion. We are not therapists. That should be clear by now. Uh, <laughs> but we are just here sharing our experience, strength, and hope as we journey through recovery together. Thanks for joining us today on Two Sober Chicks. I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. And we'll see you. you. We'll talk to you in like, you know, five minutes and or, or five days or five months whenever you hit play on the next episode of Two Sober Chicks. Thank you for listening.